Welcome to Season 2 of Conscious Conversations, where we aim to inspire deep and meaningful interactions that grow into a community of practice that is committed to healing, resilience and expansion. In this season, our focus is on Africa, the fountain of humanity, the Great Mother Africa, a land research is increasingly confirming to be home of the first humans to evolve. Research also confirms that early humans migrated out of Africa into Asia about 2 million years ago and into Europe about 1.5 million years ago. The long and short of it, Africa is where it started. In this season's Conscious Conversations, we speak with spiritual teachers and thought leaders about the ways in which we can unearth the wisdom of the old that calls us back to listen, learn, remember, restore and heal. I am Mabato Munzi. Welcome. Family constellations as an area of research can be found in modern psychology and in indigenous ancestral reverence practices of the Nguni people. Family constellations is therapy based on the belief that energy, both negative and positive, can be found in familial bonds and can manifest as patterns of mental health concerns, illness and potentially destructive behaviors within families. In this conversation, we speak to Ryan Cletty about how constellations can be applied as an intervention in resolving issues around identity crisis, anxiety, and in depression for individuals and in communities. Ryan has had a lifelong interest in spirituality and psychology, what it means to lead a happier and healthier life. This led him to travel to Brazil, and India in his 20s, learning about altered states and later on to study psychology. He has participated in five vision quests, his final quest being 13 days. He has spent significant time being present to his own system and continues to practice daily. He holds a master's degree in psychology. He is a Tiny Habits certified coach, a Neogram facilitator, family constellations practitioner, and a social and emotional intelligence certified coach. That's uh, an interesting introduction. Good morning, Ryan. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Good morning, Mbata. Your your life seems very interesting. Do you want to share with us a little bit about yourself, how you started your journey and where you are at right now as a family constellations practitioner and I suppose as a citizen as well? Yes. So shall I go um, kind of way back in the beginning? Yes, please. Um, well, I would say what led me to this path is uh, actually a feeling of being lost. I was uh, in my 20s and I was in a place where I was quite, uh, yeah, kind of confused about my life and about where I was going with my life. And that's why I went to India. That's why I traveled to India when I was about 28. Um, because I was looking, looking for some kind of a solution because I always had this feeling that there was something missing. You know, I had this feeling that there was more and I was in quite a corporate job. Um, and I was kind of in the, in the rat race and very uncomfortable in it. My health had taken a toll. 
Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't doing well, you know, and on, on virtually any level. I wasn't doing well physically. I wasn't doing well emotionally. Um, so I was looking for some kind of a solution. And at that stage, we were big into enlightenment. You know, everyone was talking about enlightenment. <laughs> so, uh, India seemed like the place to go to, to get this enlightenment. And, uh, so yeah, I kind of got, I got tricked into that enlightenment business. <laughs> And um, it, it didn't work out at all. It didn't work out at all. Um, I went to India and uh, got anything but enlightened. Um, but I did start to. I did start a journey, right? I did start. I did start kind of a path. And India opened quite a lot up for me, I'd say, because one of the things that happened in India is I started to recognize that I love to dance. And I found that in some of the ashrams there, I started to realize how much I enjoyed just getting in the body and moving. Um, and that was something that became a big passion of mine. And India actually led me to Brazil. Okay. I met someone in India uh, and she actually, through yoga, in fact, she said, you know, come and do, do some yoga in Brazil. And that didn't work out. And then I stayed in Brazil and then I got interested in, in, in the Brazilian traditions um, and in some of the medicine paths in Brazil, and that opened up something else for me. So one thing led to another, but what I started out looking for certainly wasn't what what I got in the end. Mm. <laughs> in fact, I came back from from Brazil the first time, and someone said to me, like, well, you know, wh- what did you get from it? <laughs> and uh, you know, you must have got something. And I I felt like I just lost a lot. You know, I felt like you know it wasn't like this idea of you know of of getting something. It was more a feeling of of losing something. Losing in a sense of shedding, because uh, sometimes we tend to think we are, we are losing. In, in actual fact, I don't believe that we ever really lose anything that is of value in our lives. Um, you know, we might shed off material stuff. Um, we might change in terms of our physical appearance, what we used to look like and, and so on. But I found that, um, through my own personal journey that the more we seek, um, more, the more we change our minds, the more we actually find more. Mm, yes, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just not tangible. You yes. know, we, you, you can't really touch it, hold it. Um, but there's definitely more, um, that gets, we sort of like get renewed somehow. Yes, yeah. I think for me it was a losing of a like a, a belief system, a perspective, mm-hmm. um, a way of thinking maybe. I think that that was what was changing for me. So that when I came back, you know, certainly I had a long way to go, um, but I'd, I'd lost a, an orientation, you know, a kind of a fixation, I, I guess. And I was more, uh, I would say, receptive. And probably more just humbled by life, you know, mm. not not thinking that I had it all worked out. Um, so yeah, I like what you say. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And that's the beauty about the spiritual uh, journey, right? Um, the more we think we know, as you get deeper into the journey, the more you realize that you don't know. And yes, it does come with um, a strong sense of humility. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think that's enlightenment. So I, yeah. I would say you yeah. definitely started getting your enlightenment because you, you lost all these perceptions and these ideas that weren't necessarily yours. Yes. Uh, perhaps it was the, the framing of the society you grew up in. And now you yeah. kind of like had to reorientate yourself and, um, reevaluate and, and figure out what your, 
values actually are. Yes, yeah, that's a good way to look at it, yeah. I think I was also becoming more aware of my condition, right? Like in what you're saying now, my condition related not just to my personal life, but the condition that I was brought up in the the world that I brought I was brought up in the society that I came from, my culture, all those those forces that shaped me. I started mm. to become much more aware of of that as well. Mm. So I guess it's a, it's about awareness, yeah. And what got you into family constellations? Family constellations was quite a lot further, in fact, because um, that's so you know I got back when I was um, yeah just early thirties. Um, so that then I started, uh, I stopped traveling so much. Um, I still traveled a bit, but not as much as I had been. And then I started studying psychology. Um, and that's, you know, that was maybe six years. Um, and then after that, I became interested in, in family constellations because my mom actually is a constellator. Mm-hmm. So it's in, it's in my family. And so I'd, I'd done family constellations for a long time. Um, but the way that they were doing it back in the early days was, was a little bit more laborious. Um, this was just my, my mother's generation because this is how, um, the family, family constellation started. It, you know, it started, uh, you, you could say in a less intuitive way, I would say. Mm. And it's become more fluid over time. So it's changed like anything else. Mm. So when I started family constellations, um, in that generation from, from my mother's, uh, constellators, um, it was very different back then. So I wasn't that interested in it. It felt, it felt, it could feel quite tedious. You know, you could sit for six hours in, in constellations the whole day and you could, you know, you'd come out of it feeling, or I'd come out of it feeling quite, you know, like quite drained from it. Whereas, um, when I became interested in it, it had changed quite significant, significantly. And, um, our teacher was, uh, from Brazil. Um, and he did it in shorter kind of sessions, uh, which for me made quite a lot more sense. And it was actually, le- it was more intuitive. So we weren't, um, we, we weren't, uh, putting ourselves so much in the field. We were more just witnessing the movements and, and, and doing less, doing much less. And I think that's, you know, that's changed for, for most constellators these days is that I think people tend to realize that that's one of the things that we've, we've learned as constellators is not, not to do too much in the field, but rather to let this, the field speak for itself and to follow, um, the movements that come. Mm. And so for our listeners who might not be familiar with yeah. what constellations are, can you just take us through what family constellations are? Yes, that's a big, it's a big question. Um, so I think the the first way to describe family constellations is to first think about this idea of the morphic field. And Rupert Sheldrake is a good one to look up uh, if you want to know more about that. But it's the kind of thing that you can't really describe so well. It's not something that makes rational sense. And the best way that I've learned to describe it is to refer to something like, you know, if there's, for instance, a, a car accident. Um, you know, what you'll find is that often the days after an accident, people still veer around the space of the accident. They still, there's still a sense of what happened in that space. So traffic often slows down or even, even though the accident's not, not, not there anymore, um, people still have a sense, you know, there's that, that there's a, a felt sense that we can tap into mm. that something happened. Mm. Um, so that's what we refer to as the morphic field is that we, we, we can feel, we can sense into, um, a space and that there's a memory that we can access. So family constellations is really about, um, you know, in some way opening to that memory and learning to, to work with that memory. Um, and you can do that anyway. You know, you, we can work in organizations. We can work in families. Um, and it's just about bringing balance to a field 
so the idea with family constellations is that the field itself has a has a consciousness has a has a has a kind of a um you know, an awareness you could say and the field or the collective was always interested in the collective and the system's balance mm. so a system doesn't prioritize any one person within that system a system prioritizes the system itself so we're looking to balance the system and as we balance the system all the members in that system can come into a kind of a you could say a relief they can find their own way of of, of balancing within that collective mm. so when we when we're looking at a constellation we're not looking at the if you think of western psychology it's very much like the focus is on the individual and the responsibility responsibility is given to the individual like um him and him or her did this or that and we we make it you know that, that it was their choice whereas we, when we look at a system we look at the we look at the context, so we look at what 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 um, promotes that kind of choice, what gives birth to the behaviours within that field. Um, so it's a very different way of of looking at any kind of an issue, because we see that it arises. There's always a context; it always arises from something. Mm. And if we work with the system, then what tends to happen is that the people in the system get benefit from that mm. um so we work we can talk about that just now but we work with um what what bert hellinger who's the founder of family constellations calls the orders of love and the orders of love are just like um you could say guidelines mm. and into like how love flows like how we get how we get health in these systems i'm so glad you brought that up yeah. because as i've been uh doing research and uh preparing for this conversation i read about the orders of love yes. um although i i i hoped that that would start uh we'd talk about that a bit deeper when we are deeper into the the conversation but i think because it's come up let let us um dig into the that I I looked at the orders of love and there were four that um, struck or stayed with me and um, they can also be referred to as the unwritten laws you know when one is doing a constellations um, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong mm. one of them is parents give and children receive and then Everybody has a place within the family, no matter what. And there needs to be a balance of giving and asking. It says those who come first in the system have got priority. And that made me think about ancestral healing and why it's important that we observe those hierarchical relationships. And it also made me wonder how... Um, the, 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 fa the founding father of family constellations, how his influence, um, or rather the influence that he got from the Nguni people, because I believe he lived in Natal, mm. um, as a missionary and he learned quite a bit from how the Nguni people were, were practicing ancestral reverence. Um, you know, how do you think, number one, how do you think his experience in Natal, with the Nguni people, um, influenced the methodology. And then can you just take us a bit deeper into those uh, orders of love? Yes, oh, that's a really good foundation. Um, well, let's start with the orders of love, right? Because I think that's a good place to start. You, you know, you said it almost perfectly, I think, that to simplify it, to make it easy uh, for people to remember. 
you could just say that you could simplify them to three orders of love. Mm-hmm. So, and they're quite intuitive, you know, when, and, and I would encourage your listeners as we are speaking to also feel into their bodies, you know, as we, as we're talking about this, because often just talking about this uh, material can bring things up, right? Because it can remind us of, of ways that we've forgotten these orders. Mm-hmm. So the first order is inclusion, which means that everyone belongs. And that, and that's, um, regardless of what you've done. So, so that there's no, in, there's no exception. Everyone belongs. Your place is never, is, is never, is never threatened. You always have a place. Although we can feel like we don't belong, we always belong. And so what we find in family constellations is that some of the, um, the difficulties that people experience are directly related to belonging. Because when, where there's, where there's exclusion, and you might even just feel into that word exclusion, you know, when you've felt excluded, what that feels like in your body. Um, it's one of the most difficult things I think we can feel because belonging is so primal in a way to, to us as a species. You know, we, we, we need it. It's everything. Our belonging is, is our way of survival in a way. So if we don't, if we don't feel like we belong, um, you know, it, it can cause, many problems so where where people have been excluded from systems that sets up a pattern so that's the first order um and it's very common for us to you know not just in our family systems but in just in life in general to in some way um exclude people to feel like no not them they they don't deserve it you know so we kind of push them away um and in doing that we you know we again we're setting up a pattern so that's the, the first the first um order and if you want to practice that order, you can just look at your, your family and just feel into, you know, your family system, you know, whether it's your, your parents or if you're married, your, you know, your wife and your kids and your, your, your relatives and you just affirm them, you know, you, you belong, you know, I see you, you belong. Um, and just that's, that's that statement, I see you and you belong and you, and you, you hold that in your heart, you know, just, just that is, you know, I find quite a healing statement. The second order is sequence. Mm. Um, so sequence is like what you were saying, that everyone has a sequence. So I, I'm the older brother. So I was first born. My brother came after me. You know, that can never be changed. I'm always going to be the older. He's always going to be the younger. Uh, and my parents are bigger. I'm smaller. You know, so that's the idea of sequence. They, they came before me. So I have to honor my parents. Um, and then how that gets, uh, tripped up, you could say in, in a system. In my case, for instance, my dad, um, left when we were quite, quite young. And I kind of stepped into that place for, for my father. Um, and so I kind of, I, I stepped out of my sequence as mm. the son. And I stepped into a, a, a role that wasn't mine to, to play, but I did it for belonging. Mm-hmm. You know? So, and we do these things for love. We do these things for belonging. Um, and as a result, again, that sets up a, a new kind of a pattern that you've got to work with. So it's whenever we talk about these things, we never need to, you know, blame ourselves or feel bad about things or in, it's just we look at that's the best we could do at that time. Mm-hmm. And we, we're looking now in a new moment. How, what, how do we work with what we did in the past mm. and how do we get more creative and how do we let go of those roles that weren't ours to carry? So sequences, and often it's common among siblings, um, that siblings step out of sequence. One, the younger wants to be the older, um, you know, whatever the case is, the middle one that's not comfortable in the middle. Um, so there's often kind of a rival, rivalry mm. between siblings that can happen. Um, but when everyone has their right place in a system, um, there's a kind of a settling. That can happen. And in companies, it's very common. So like, for instance, um, someone who's quite new to a company, 
and he's he gets a fancy job or a fancy title he's the new sales manager or he's the you know whatever the the, the fancy job is um but he's he's the newest in the system but but because he's got the role that is a priority for that organization then what tends to happen is that he doesn't honor everyone who's come before mm. and there's a whole system of people there's a whole number of people who come before him so he, the right movement for him to do or her to do is to to honor the, the those who, that have come before and for him to take the, his right place within that sequence mm. so in terms of the time sequence he's the last even though he's got the this fancy job he's actually the last and if he doesn't honor that sequence again that can set up a pattern mm. um, and can set up unnecessary unnecessary um, difficulties because it doesn't need to be um, it can be harmonized you know these systems can be harmonized um, and that's better for everyone um, including the guy who's got the fancy job mm. then um, the last one is the so I did uh, inclusion I did sequence and then giving and receiving so giving and receiving is just you know it's very natural for us to want to give and we also need to receive so when one person is um, giving too much another person is not able to receive it's it sets up a particular kind of dynamic because when you are giving you kind of there's a kind of a lightness right because mm. you kind of you give and you feel like there's there's a lightness that comes with that you could also Bertelinger describe that as uh, innocence um, and when you receive you feel a little heavier right there's kind of a guilt that comes with that so yeah. you feel like, and it's a, it's, it's a good guilt you should we should carry that guilt um so the natural movement is to reciprocate to give back and the, and then there's this, and that's how you build a relationship, right? Mm. Because you know, you give a little, you receive a little, and you keep on this this exchange. kind of exchange, yeah. So that's and then also to when when we're tuned into it, we're giving it the right time and we're receiving it the right time because there's often patterns. Um, we can talk about the enneagram later, but there's a particular kind of personality. It's a personality type that tends to give too much, and then as a result of giving too much, they push people away. Hmm. Because what you're doing is you're making people around you too heavy, and because they aren't able to receive properly, then they they kind of block the relationship. They get in the way of the relationship. So the only the only exception to that is obviously parents and children, because parents are always going to give, give more, more, give more, and that's just the that's just the nature of life. So then, so then it's for the child for the for us as children to either give on to the next generation. Or to pay that debt back to life, to mm. give to give back to life, because we can never repay our parents. Our parents will, will we always indebted to our parents, mm. and and that's the thing, regardless of what they did to us, what they didn't do to us, it's to come to that place of real gratitude for for what they gave us, the life that they gave us, the mm. the fact that we here can have a conversation, we're healthy enough to. You know, and we've got what they gave us is just, it's such a big Incredible. gift, you know, to, to, to receive that. Yeah. And tapping into the influence of the Nguni people mm. in this kind of work. As you know, I work with ancestral healing and I can see how some of the principles, in fact, all three of these principles that you have spoken about apply in the African context. So, um, you know, for me, it's kind of clear that there was quite a big influence of, of how the Nguni people um, 
a practiced ancestral reverence or their belief system. Are you able to take us into that a bit? Yeah, I mean, my sense of it is, and I must say that uh, on the outset, is I don't actually know enough about Bertellinger's history to to give you um, a proper answer. But my my sense of it is that um, Bertellinger came from Germany. So he came from a very <clears throat> individual society, you know, where, the, where the, the, the emphasis was placed on the, the person. Um, and like I said, you know, that's, that's the Western condition, right? Um, we, we put a lot of emphasis on the individual. And when he was with the, with the Zulus, I mean, he must have learned so much because now he was in a, a culture where everything was, we heal in the collective of mm. Ubuntu, you know, mm. we heal, t- we heal together. And I think, um, I, I think that's where he, where he learned this method of, of consolating is he recognized that these patterns don't just come from individuals, that they come from an ancestry, that they don't come, they, they don't come out of nowhere, that, they, you know, that they can be carried, that they can be passed on. And in that way, that if you really want to heal, you need to heal within a system. You need to heal within a collective. Um, and yeah, I mean, his, um, witnessing of all those rites and those rituals, of, of course, I mean, that's, that's what gave birth to this, to this work, to this, this form of this work. Mm. Um, I also read that family constellations display relationships, entanglements, as well as connections between parts of the system, such as people in a family, people, in an organization, and I guess in a community. I think how our communities are right now, particularly in South Africa, there is so much violence. Um, there are so many broken families. Mm. People are just not happy. Mm. You know, do you think there's an opportunity at a community level for family constellations to play a role in our healing? And what do you think that could look like? That's a really big question. Before I get to that, and maybe before we to, to go into that, just to respond to what you were saying just now, which is that um, everything's represented, right? So, for instance, if if any of those laws are broken, um, and the the love is stopped um, in any way, you know, if if there's a transgression at some point, then that must be represented somewhere. And that's just, that's just the nature of life, right? So if the, if, if there's a trauma, if there's something that happened, if there's, um, a war, if there's a, you know, any experience that we go through that isn't digested, in some way it's got to be represented further down the line. And that's the, the beauty about family constellations is that, is that it says that someone will step in to represent that. So for instance, like if there's an exclusion, so, so let's say someone had, um, you know, and again, it's interesting because in different times people are excluded for different reasons. So let's say at some point there was an exclusion because someone was odd, had a mental health condition, was hospitalized or, you know, and that's quite, was quite common, you know, in, you know, in the last century, you know, pe- people were often hospitalized because they had mental health conditions and um, given all kinds of difficult treatments. And families would often push them away, right? Mm. So um, those kinds of exclusions, what happens for, for the next generation, someone has to step in and reflect that exclusion because that's the interest of the system. The system, the system wants the balance. And is, and, and so what the system needs is someone to go and represent that person that was excluded. So what that can mean is that someone can come in from a, from a next generation and take on some of that pain and not know where it comes from. 
but and, and the healing of that is to include to reinclude that person who was excluded so that person the new the new generation person doesn't need to carry that burden anymore mm. so we we can really take care of our own inner system our family system maybe a little bit more control but then we start really losing that control as we as we go out so mm. if you're talking about community yeah what your question was how, how do we influence community or yeah so how uh, if so if we as individuals yeah. for instance were aware of family constellations um it means that we would be aware of perhaps the injustices that have happened at a family unit perspective which obviously influences the behavior of people out there so in community mm. so if you're if the if the family system is broken mm. it means that the the individuals of that family most likely have got issues which is then reflected in the family and in the communities right because yeah. if you feel like you don't belong if you feel excluded you will act out Mm. Um, and it will influence your everyday life. So my question was really how you think, or rather, do you think if we were more aware of how family constellations work at an individual level, it could also influence how we show up at a broader level, so in communities and so on? Mm, definitely, definitely. I mean, that's many people that I, the people that I respect the most, um, and I follow the most, I try to read the most are the authors that talk about responsibility, you know, and taking responsibility for yourself, for your family, um, for the things that you've got control over. And I, th I definitely agree with that. I think that if you can, if you take care of your own affairs, if you take care of as much as you can, you know, your, your family affairs, the patterns in your family, what, what's yours to take care of? Then, when you bring yourself out into life, you, you're not you're not bringing as many of those burdens with you. Mm. So you become more of a resource, and I think that's what we're trying to do, right? Mm. Is become is to bring more resource to life, so that we can assist other people. Mm. And that's what's that's the the power of constellations is it's helping us to see what we can't see, mm. um, and that's that's I think where we get you know real movement. Mm. So I've done constellations with you guys and, um, I saw how the, how I carried the patterns of my mom, mm. uh, within her own family systems, you know, in, in my own individuality and in my own internal system. But I, I, I wonder how many other individuals, well, I suppose because in the context of our population as South Africa, not many people do internal work. You know, not many people um, would probably do uh, family constellations. Yes, yeah. But it carries so much power because, you know, you are able to really see it. And like you said, these emotions, the things that come up, it's just such an incredible experience. If one is talking to an ordinary family, for instance, and we might use an example of sexual trauma, historical sexual trauma in the family, or maybe drug abuse. Mm -hmm. How do you, how would you say, or in your experience, how have some of these historical traumas shown up like in today's Unit and how have family constellations been able to uh, bring that to your 
patients' awareness? Mm. Well, it's very difficult to generalize because the thing is it's, it's different every time. Mm. So, you know, I think um, if you take any trauma, how that shows up in a family and how that works through a family system is going to be, it's going to vary from family to family. So um, if you, you know, if you get specific about, say, it's a sexual trauma, well, what you would do is you would try to trace that trauma, you know, so, so obviously there's a, there's a victim, right? Um, and someone has been at the other end of, of that abuse. Um, but then the perpetrator, the abuser, we need to, uh, we actually need to, in terms of the family consolations method, and this is going to sound a little bit crazy, but we need to include the abuser. So we need to, we need to see the abuser. We need to, in some way, even even honor the abuser, not for not condoning the behavior, mm-hmm. but seeing the person, and then tracking back. Well, get the context because, in some strange way, that was the best that he he or she could have done, um, and that's the thing that doesn't feel so intuitive mm-hmm. because we we have this kind of tendency to think that they should have done better. Mm-hmm. That why why did they do this terrible thing? Um, but when we look at the conditions of their life. And we find in their life it's the same pattern. In, you know, they, they 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 might have had a parent or someone that did something to them, and the conditions that kind of birthed their abuse onto the next person. So to to interrupt that pattern, we have to stop the blame game. We can't keep blaming the um, the abuser. We have to we we and we can't we have to step out of the victim mentality. So um, again, it's not to condone what happened. And what, whatever that was, you know, whatever the trauma was, we have to acknowledge that, of course, that that was wrong. And we can definitely make a line in the sand what's right and what's wrong. But at the same time, we can still bring a compassion to even the abuser because the abuser's in pain. Mm. That's the thing that we miss is that the person giving the abuse, that that person is in pain. It's not, it's not something that's in our nature to do, mm. to be abusive. So where we see abuse, that's often a, a signal for, for trauma, you know, and, and you look further back into the roots and it's the same time. Every time it's the same thing. You can, you can track back, um, that there's something that happened to that person where they were left in the same position. They were left victimized. They were left abused in some, in some way. And they didn't know how to deal with it. They didn't have the right support. And so it just gets perpetuated. And the idea with family constellations is to try to get more creative in these cycles and to look for a different response, you know, to look for a different way of, of, of handling it. And the first rule is to come back to inclusion, um, that everyone belongs, even the abusers. Mm. Um, and, you know, you can take that really far. Um, and it, does, it doesn't actually work excluding. It doesn't work pushing away. You know, we've seen that time and time again. It, it's it's not to say that you shouldn't be angry, you shouldn't be upset, that you you have to face your own emotions, right? So whatever the abuse was, you know, you you'll have to work through those emotions. But the end point is always to come back and to see the person that was doing the abuse, mm. and to come back to to a, a, a simple statement like "I see you," you know, and um, and to recognize that person's pain and to leave that person's pain with them mm. and you know to be to come back to to your own life and what, mm. what you can be responsible for so in a sense uh family constellations um has a lot to do with ancestral healing because you go back right to observe it's always yeah always because i mean that's for me it makes so much sense nothing comes out of nowhere mm. so you, you that's the radical thing is you actually can't blame any for anyone for for anything but you can hold them responsible. But 
but no one you, you you go right back to the conditions of your life you didn't choose your parents mm. you didn't choose your upbringing you didn't choose the traumas that happened to you we didn't wake up and go put put our hand up and say yes i want those i want that abusive father i want that mother that doesn't give me the attention that i need i want those kids at school who bully me and call me names and i want all these conditions in my life to shape me in these ways that that's just the, that's just our destiny right that's what happens mm. um but we can do something with that you know, mm. we don't have to keep playing it in the same way. When we wake up and we relax the blame game and we start to go, okay, let's take a breath and, and see what we can do with all that material. Because the thing is that materials, we can alchemize it. We can, it's actually energy that gets stuck in the past. I wanted to actually bring the energy part yeah. up, you know, to say with uh, ancestral healing, I've come to understand that a lot of it is, is energy. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you can help us just understand family constellations a bit more in the context of ancestral healing mm. and how it is an alternative to people who are not necessarily comfortable with the traditional ancestral healing uh, journey, mm. perhaps. This is a bit softer. It's a bit more internal, less um, symbolism, less ritual in the normal uh, sense. And I think it's a very introspective and reflective way that allows people to tap into what they really feel. Um, you know, so just please take us through how family constellations, ancestral healing, and where we are at as individuals can help us mm. to break the patterns that are not very productive in our lives. Um, or at least help us create the kind of relationships that we would prefer? Mm. Well, in the simplest way, uh, I think, um, and I'll speak a little bit from my experience as well, but in the simplest way, what Family Constellations helps us to do is to turn back towards our parents and to honor our parents and to see the ways that we don't do that, to see the ways that we've turned away from them. Um so what family constellations is saying is that we can only receive our life through our parents is that that's the only way to, to, to get our life. And obviously as we are receiving life through our parents, we're not just receiving life through our parents. We're getting it through our ancestry. We're recognizing that behind us is a long line of grandmothers and grandfathers. And the, that ancestry is where we get our life energy. So if we, if, if there are parts of us that don't want to accept our dad or don't want to accept our mom or push them away for whatever reason, what we're really doing is we're blocking life. So what Family Constellations is helping us to do is turn back towards them and to meet them and to be honest with ourselves and to say, well, actually, you know what, even though I don't like to admit it, I'm a lot like my mom. Mm. I'm a lot like my dad. And especially in the ways that I don't want to be like them. Eish, it's hard. <laughs> I'm like them. And by saying, by saying that statement, like, I'm like them, um, and not making it up, because obviously in some ways we're not like them. Often what we do is we, we in, intentionally try to do it differently, but that can be in a rebellious way. Mm. So, and it's still unhealthy. It's not still good. Not always good behavior. We're trying to do it so opposite that it makes us, you know, it takes us away from who we really are. So whether we really like them or very, 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 very different from them, in both cases, it's in relation to them, um, or in relation to what we don't like in them. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to turn towards them and just be honest and to check in our system 
and just to feel in ourselves and to feel the places where we resist them and to meet meet that emotion and to allow that emotion to work through our systems so that we can come it's, and I, I don't think that this is like a binary thing where you get to a point where all of a sudden like 100% now mm. you've accepted your parents I, I do believe that it's a lifelong journey and that there's always more love and always more acceptance that you can bring um, and you can receive and that's what makes it so exciting mm. and you can come back to this principle where you recognize they were actually doing the best they could do with what they had at the time mm. and that's a very and that's something that I think um people need to really reflect on it doesn't it's not always obvious you know it's something that you can you can even grapple with a little bit and just to to say well if you don't believe that if you think that they should have done better if that's your belief system well then go back and and, and investigate what were their conditions where you know see how they grew up where they came from what were they exposed to what made them who they were you know because if they could have done differently if they could have chosen differently if they could have loved you more do you really think they wouldn't have because mm. we we love is a is a beautiful we like we love to love right it feels good mm. so i don't believe anyone wouldn't choose love if if they could because it feels it feels it's, a, it's such a good it's such a good thing to do, choose it feels so good in our system mm. so um the first movement with family constellations is just to accept the parents i take you dad just as you are i take you mom just as you are you were the right mom you're the right dad for me I like what you're saying because I believe we, at a soul level, for our growth, before we manifest in this realm, we kind of choose the the sort of the type of lessons that we want to learn, mm. how we want to grow, how we want to expand. So once one starts looking at life that way, you also eliminate. Uh, a big chunk of being a victim, mm. you know, because you also look at your parents and say, Oh my goodness, look at how coming from perhaps a, uh, an absent mother or father has influenced your life and allowed you to grow more than your, your peers, for instance, you know, that can be a good thing for some people. Some people choose to stay stuck in being the victim of that situation and never really growing up and taking responsibility for their own lives. So there's that lens that one can look at it from. But I also think, um, looking at it, you know, through the lens of family constellations, Specifically, one can also learn to extend more compassion to our parents because you get to see what did they know? How were they parented? Mm. How did they understand love? Um, I think particularly in the black community, uh, many of our parents grew up being hit a lot. Mm. Yes. You know, so that's the language they understand in terms of discipline. Um, and then, Someone in, in a younger generation might look at it and like, it's abuse, you know. So there's all those kind of things that Family Constellations helps us to look at, right? Yes, that's, I think it's so well put. Yeah, that's the language they knew, right? Mm. So, so you can't fault them for it. Um, that's because that's just what they knew that that was their language. So that's what they continued. Um, and what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to connect with a part of them that did love us, even though they, they abused us. That there's always a part, and that's the that's the thing that I think for me that can be the most healing is to recognize that even in the most abusive situations, there's still a part 
that loved. There's still a part that could carry the love forward. Even in um, adoptions where, where, where children were given away, mm. um, you can still connect with the mother that loved, the part of the mother that loved, because there's always that part that's whole, that's unbroken. That's where we can receive the love, especially in the really abusive um, situations. And, you know, the, there we can actually feel it. It's tangible. Mm. We can actually feel, oh, they actually did love us, mm. even though they didn't know how to show it. Or maybe they didn't show it in a way that I would have preferred. Yes, yeah, yeah. And again, it comes back to the same idea. It's not that you, it's not that we have to let our values go. Like, I don't believe that hitting is a good thing. Mm. But I, in that context, I understand how it can happen. So it's like two different things. Like, mm. you know, we don't want to hit our children. That's a value that many of us would carry. But we can also, like you were saying, have compassion for the parents that didn't know any better. Mm. And we don't have to hang on to that victim. Um, I'm sure you know the drama triangle because we just go around from mm. victim to abuser to helper to victim to perpetrator to, you know, we just keep going around that cycle. So we need to actually step out of that, like you were saying, you know, and be willing to go, okay, it's, you can't blame anyone. It's just a, it's a cycle that happens. And mm. when you step out of it, you can look from a different, from a different way. I'm glad you, you, you brought that up to say, you know, there's a part of them that still loves, you know, I recently came to recognize that for myself. And it came when I was reflecting on some of, you know, my own personal relationships and how one can be quick to write people off. And I remembered that because there's a God in us, everybody has got the, the God, the light within them. So that love is always there. And I'm so glad you brought that up because we tend to often see, you know, what we deem as wrong that people have done, hold the judgment and, and all of that and forget to see the goodness because mm. we all inherently have got this goodness within us, right? Yes, beautiful. I love the way you said that. Beautifully put, yeah. Exactly. There's that self doesn't go anywhere. It's and we and we st we kind of mistake the condition as something that we have choice about. Mm. Like no, that's a condition. You don't get a choice in that condition. The condition is the condition, but this the self like that you're talking about, that's always there. And you can always access that self. You get a choice what you do with the condition. Mm. So when one talks about re including, let's just say the perpetrator. Yeah. How would that look like? And, and I know it, it might be a bit difficult to, you know, expand on it, but let's say we are working with a family, hmm. um, and one of the people within the family has done something atrocious and they were excluded as a result of that. Yeah. Now we are working on reintegrating that person. How does that look like? Um, well, I would say the first step would be, um, the, the person who was abused, you, you know, you'd want to work with that person separately because there's trauma in the system, right? So, you know, that trauma would need to be processed. And you, you know, that's not something that you want to do anywhere close to the person, to the abuser. So that person needs to discharge the energy from the abuse and the, you know, the very various tools, um, to do that. The one that I think works best is, um, somatic experiencing, um, you know, which is just sent, just simply about coming back to the body and trusting that the body knows what to do and that the body knows how to discharge that energy from, from the abuse. 
you can you can look at nature for that like so for instance like a, a buck gets away gets away from a lion what's the first thing first thing it does tremors right mm. like you know you see this in the, like impala and a cheetah cheetah chases the impala the impala gets caught but then gets away and then you know you, you see the impala kind of darting off and the first thing it does when it's when it's safe because that's the key when it's safe you, you have to introduce safety back to the system and strength back to the system the first thing it does is there's a whole lot of energy that it needs to discharge mm. so it, it, it tremors Mm. And, and nature does that naturally, but we've we've learned to interrupt that movement. We we've learned to bypass that so that we don't follow the body. We follow the mind, and so that energy gets stuck in the body. So the first thing we need to do is to, to the what whoever was abused, what, and that that's a that's a that's a separate issue. Um, and that person, the, the the first the first point is always to discharge that energy to deal with the trauma of that abuse, but then on a system level. When the time is right, that's when, you know, you can come back to kind of including, um, the abuser, if it was a family member or outside the family, because even if it's outside the family, that, that person is now part of the system. Mm. So that person, it, it's not that they need to be given a central place, but they just need to be acknowledged and they need to be, um, included. But just in a, in a simple way, I, I see you. So often that's, that's the movement, you know, just to, to see them. And to see that, that they have their pain mm. and to see, you know, that's not your business, but what's behind them is theirs. Mm. And you come back to the simple idea, me for me and you for you. Mm. And that's so important because I imagine, uh, within a family unit, if the perpetrator is not seen, yeah. if that particular situation is not resolved, it threatens the future. It threatens, yeah. um, to repeat itself. Somewhere yes. in the future, right? Yes. So it is in everybody's interest yes. to kind of resolve the thing. Definitely, yes. Yes, whatever it is, it's in everyone's interest. But it's a very difficult thing to do because it's uncomfortable for families. I mean, and I think that's true for most families, you know, like when we come together for Christmas gatherings or for birthdays or whatever, you know, often there's a celebration and we have to be happy. But it's not always like that. Mm. You know, when we come together as families, there's often tensions. It's often, you know, how many people have told me, like, you know, they dread Christmas because it's hard to be with family. Why is it hard to be with family? You know, because, because of these things, because we feel them when mm. we, when we together with, with our families, as much as we might celebrate and have fun, we also feel that, that togetherness brings something. And often we don't, we try to, we want to shut off from it. We want to push it away. Um, so I think one thing to acknowledge in family system is that you've got to go slowly and you've got to be patient with, with people as well, because the predominant tendency is unconsciousness. Like the, the, the most family systems are very unconscious. So, um, there's a lot of material that needs to be delicately, uh, kind of worked with. Mm. And if you have just one or two people waking up, it doesn't mean everyone's going to wake up. Mm. Most of the time it's not true. Like it's just so that that one person that wakes up in a system becomes a gift, you know, and, and they just do their little work with the hope that more will, will follow, you know, mm. but it's slow, you know, it doesn't happen quickly often. It's usually like you have to be very patient. Sure. I really like that. Any parting words? What would you say to anybody listening to this conversation? Hopefully any person that 
sort of like feels like they they need to rebuild their strength uh that feels isolated from their family that perhaps wants to work on their relationship with deceased parents mm. um i think that's a difficult one because yes. it's often not spoken about as well yeah right uh, what would you say i would say the starting point is always you know the simplest thing just feel yourself sitting on a chair you know and feel the ground beneath you you know feel yourself sitting on a chair the feet on the ground and feel what it feels like to be connected to the earth and to feel that no matter how you are the earth has got you you know like the earth holds you and then from there then feel what's behind you you know like just and then without any judgment or any need to change anything just feel what's behind you feel your parents feel your mom and your dad behind you and just feel what that feels like you know to feel feel and you might even bring your parents in front of you you know just feel get an image of your dad or your mom first whichever you feel and just bring them whether they have passed whether they're still with you um you just bring that image of them in front of you and again with the feeling of the earth supporting you and you breathing and you sitting on the chair just notice what happens in the body that's it and what you're doing there is a healing movement and if you feel some emotion just let the emotion come and and then you swap and you know, if you were doing your mom you go to your dad and all, all you're doing is you're trying to move to a place where you're just simply saying i, I see you mom i see your dad i am your child and um my my name is whatever your name is and um yeah i, I receive I receive life from you. I see you. I receive life from you. And in some way, you might take that just a little bit further. And, you know, if there is anything that you want to leave with them, you might just have that sense that you can also leave what you don't want to take forward. But you, what you're really taking with them is this life. You're taking mm-hmm. the best, you know, you're taking the best of them. So, but the, the simplest way to do it is just, I see you. you know, mm-hmm. I see you. I love you. And whatever words come, I see you, I love you. But before you get to I see you, I love you, maybe there's some emotion there that you've got to work through. Um, so that, that I see you, I love you is natural. Mm. You know? So it, don't force it. It's um, a step at a time. And I, I always feel like with the earth, with that feeling of earth underneath you, um, you know, much more is possible. And remember your resources. You know, the earth is a resource, but remember whatever resources you Maybe you've got guides that resource you or animal spirits that resource you or maybe it's just nature that resources you. you. Remember to call on those resources because we need resources to do this work. We need we need to because those resources strengthen our system so that it's kind of like food for our system so that we can face that, that pain. And also the last thing I would say is that if it gets overwhelming, if it gets too much, then don't push. Mm. Like our teachers always say to us, you know, don't push, don't hold back. It's that middle ground. Because if you push, it's not, you're not going to go very far mm. because you're going to keep overwhelming yourself and it's going to feel like too much. Mm. So when you get to a point where it's to just take your attention, shift it to something that feels like a resource, something that supports you, mm. go for a walk, take a bath, go for a swim. And then come back to it, you know, mm. like little little steps. You go mm. way way further. Mm. I remember one of the things that was um, critical when I did the uh, constellation with you was remembering to stay humble. Mm. So even if you do have anger towards uh, a late parent, you know, um, r- remember the sequence, and remember that 
irrespective of what has happened, one has to honor their parents, right? So in dealing with whatever emotions that one is carrying at the time, remembering to go there in humility, right? Um, which also reminds me that in African traditional practices, when one is speaking to the ancestors, um, one needs to be very humble. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's a, a, a beautiful way to close, I think. And when we go into a sweat lodge, that's what we do. We're going to, we, we kneel down. And in many of the African traditions, right? We, and on, we're on our knees. Yes. And we're remembering to stay small. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And if anybody wants to connect with you, how can they reach you? Uh, they could go to my website. Um, I can put the web- website on the show notes, but my name, ryanclatty.com. Okay. Put my email there if you want to email me. That's easy. All right. Thank you so much, Ryan, for having Thank this you, conversation with us. Um, it's been very insightful. Okay. Thank you so much. It's been <laughs> great to be here. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. I truly hope you learned something new, felt something, and were inspired to cultivate a more conscious life. I'd love to connect with you, hear your thoughts and story. Please feel free to reach out. Our contact details can be found on montsem.co.za. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.